Hello, good morning. Welcome to another episode of A Pastor and His People. I am Pastor Witt here with Pastor Dave Keen. That's right. Hey guys, I know you've missed the podcast the last couple of weeks. I completely uh, apologize for that. I blame John Whitaker. But it's really not his <laughs> fault, it's mine. Um, life got a little busy there. So, uh, two weeks ago, we uh, met with a group of pastors about how to transition a church from a pastor deacon model to uh, plurality of elders. Yep. Uh, last Monday, uh, I was meeting with a group of international pastors uh, from all over the world. So uh, we were doing good things for the life of the church, just not recording a podcast. So we are back live in action, and I get the great privilege to ask you questions, friend. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank you uh, for preparing and uh, teaching us God's Word. Uh, it was rich uh, yesterday. So many things to, to kind of think through and, and meditate on. Um, let's just think through these uh, the first uh, uh, three verses um, mm-hmm. of Psalm 2. Uh, God's Word says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, against His anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Uh, so this first idea right from the text, uh, mm-hmm. the people's plot. Mm-hmm. What is the people's plot? Uh, to burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. So the main thing I was trying to draw out there was that the world hates God, hates God's anointed, and therefore by implication hates us as well if we belong to them. So, And there's a kind of, they're, they're ruling, right, is bonds and cords. I think what I was trying to, trying to draw out there as well, there's a hatred towards God, but there's also a relationship with God is anointed is a restrictive view, not a fulfilling view, right? So if you belong to the world, when you hear the law, when you hear commands, you only think, or you're thinking in the sense of, oh, God's hindering me from keeping me from doing what, yeah. you know, what let me out, right? Let me do what I, what I should be doing. Um, but as Christians, we see those commands, the law, when we think of law, do you think of restrictions or really the law, I think it would be a better translation, right? We think a lot of it's instructions, like an instruction yeah. manual is going to help you live the best life you can live. Um, yeah, you did a great job kind of connecting it to Galatians, mm-hmm. right? You know, for, for freedom, uh, Christ has set us free. So mm-hmm. there's, there's an idea here that the Christian life is not restrictive, but it's liberating. It mm-hmm. helps us truly become what God wants us to be. And right. following his way is good and right for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this when it comes to um, how the church interacts with the nations. Mm. Um, and I think that um, people are often surprised when the nations uh, in the world hates the church. Mm. Yeah. Why should we not be surprised? Yeah. Why should we not be surprised? Yeah. Uh, the text tells us that. <laughs> no, I mean, we say the nations, um, which, I mean, I agree. Uh, I mean, obviously, what do you think of it? But I think also, I mean, I guess the direct application of trying to drive home is our family, our friends, our coworkers, right? We're often afraid to share because we're afraid they may not like us or think us weird or hate us. But in reality, the text is that they do. Deep down, everyone born into sin is born with a rebellion and hatred towards God. So that should be liberating for us that, uh, oh, they do hate us. Okay, then let's just go ahead and share anyways because I can't make it any, I can't make them hate me any worse, I guess. Yeah, yeah so if someone says, well, my family doesn't really hate me, mm-hmm. right? They're, not, they're non-Christian and they don't, they don't seem like they're kind to me. They're, they, they seem they, they, right. they do my own thing. 
What, what, what would you mean? What do you mean by hate? Yeah, so I mean, a text I probably should have drawn out. I, I thought about it, but I didn't put it in there. It was uh, Jesus, right? The cost of discipleship. Um, well, he does. He, I kind of mentioned that with that. I came to bring peace, but a sword. Yeah. But he says, whoever loves, you know, mother, father, more than me, hates me. Right? He says that in another place, right? It, 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 they don't belong to me. So there's a sense of they ultimately, if you were to push the the, 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 the God, right, in the sense say, okay, you say you don't hate, but what about this? Do you, what would you choose, mother or father, or would you choose God? Yeah. Oh, mother and father. Well, you really don't like God. You hate God. I don't really get down to it. You want family, you want comfort, you want the things. You really don't want God. You don't, may not be outwardly, you know, Saul going house to house, pulling out people and uh, persecuting them, uh, but you don't like God. Yeah, in, in comparison, God's not the most... He, when you become a Christian, you um, right. release all of their allegiances to the, except the Lord. The Lord, the Lord belongs all your love, all your support, all your devotion. Right. Um, and to, to have that less is a form of hatred towards him. Right. And I think I have an illustration. So I've also heard this, right? The opposite of love isn't hate. The opposite of love is indifference. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you think of all right, the message of God, who God is, and the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, this is where Jesus says, find those who are worthy of the gospel. He's find those who are worthy of the yeah. message. What he means is, how do they respond and receive the message? So if someone were to bust in the room and say, you know, your house is on fire, you need to get out. And you're like, oh, thank you. That's very kind. Oh. And you just kind of hung out for a little bit longer. You really don't like that message. You hate that message. Why? If you liked it, you would have got up and ran out. And that's where, like, it may not be hatred in maybe the way we commonly think about it. Yeah. But in reality, someone is someone's coming and talking to you about God, the God of the universe, eternal, holy, righteous, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, and you're like, okay, mm. that's a, that's not a, that's not a love. I would say that, and so it's it's a form of hatred. Yeah, yeah and I think you you did a great job, um, kind of, you know, with the introduction. You know, don't fight against God, just just give up, mm -hmm. right? Because there's no chance that you're going to win. Um, and I find that in the the evangelical world, big Eva, as they say, um, there is a desire for the world to approve. I recently read a review, an article by Mark uh, Gallo, former editor-in-chief of Christianity Today, and mm -hmm. he said that the way to become a well-known evangelical writer today is to write in the Atlantic, to write in the New York Times, affirming some cultural uh, value, hmm. right? So they're becoming a well-known name in the world's eyes, and therefore they're kind of being accepted by the world, but they're only affirming what the, the world wants to affirm. They're not right. talking about the exclusivity of the cross. They're not talking about the, um, the sanctity of human life. Mm -hmm. They're not talking about the, the roles of headship and marriage. They're only affirming that which the world celebrates. Mm -hmm. And there is a, there's a quest in our own hearts, if we're not careful, for approval of the world. Yeah. And if we're, not, if we're going after the approval of the world, um, we um, are going against what the Lord will want us to do. Yeah. yeah. And, and once again, I kept drawing this to... I think my application is primarily to evangelism. I mean, you have the authority, but you also have evangelism. With There is that, okay, I'm not just going to go up to a stranger and say, you're a sinner, Jesus died for you, right? There's a, 
a social thing we understand. You don't just go up and start a conversation that way. At the same time, I think there's the other side where it's like, okay, I'm going to be relational. I'm going to build this relationship. And then when it's the right time, I'm going to share the gospel. Can kind of, which is, I think, wise, right? There's, I think it's understanding sure. there. I think what can creep in is, well, how long do you wait until that right moment? And ultimately find that there's this fear of, I've built the relationship. I really want to get the right situation, but they will then accept it. Yeah. There is some wisdom there, but at the same time, like, ultimately the spirit has to move and open their eyes and awaken their hearts. And hopefully they'll use some of that relationship. But if they don't belong to God, they're going to hate the message. Yeah, and if you think about what you really value, you're going to share it, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're trying to build friendships. You reveal with that what you love. You mm-hmm. talk about your family. You're, you know, you're going to talk about the, the inept Seattle Mariners mm-hmm. um, and the, the Clemson Tigers who are struggling right now. Keep, keep you know. going. <laughs> but you're also going to talk about Jesus because right. Jesus is the most important thing in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Now you, we shouldn't hide that. We should reveal it. Uh, the second point you, you mentioned is the Lord laughs, mm-hmm. um, verses 4 through 6. He who sits in the heavens laughs, and the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Um, why is that it's so uh, important for us to remember um, how the Lord responds to the attempts of the nations to thwart his plans? Yeah, well, I think you kind of see... For me, I, I see David's confidence, right? Because you would think from the first three verses, um, David should be a little worried or upset, right? The, the nations are plotting, right? Kings of the world are getting together and say, let's get them. <laughs> uh, and David's like, well, I'm good. The Lord is laughing in heaven. So I think for us, it should give us an encouragement and confidence that God is the one in heaven laughing, right? He is above, he is, I mean, I was talking with the, on, on the way down the conference, talking to a couple of guys in the car, and just thinking about this text, he is laughing, right? That's not usually something that we attribute to God. Oh yeah, God's one laughing in heaven. But just when you think about who God is, if you could, I think a glimpse of who he is and how powerful he is and his character and nature there is no threat yeah. whatsoever. It's, uh, I think uh, I heard different illustrations. I use chess and checkers, but ultimately it's like, I mean, you have four-year-olds versus marine seals, right? It's just kind of like there's absolutely no chance whatsoever. You have a pebble against the ocean. It's just, the, it, it's God, yeah. right? It, you have, you're a kid, you're playing with toys, you have this side and this side. It's like, this side will lose. Why? Because you're controlling everything. You know? uh, yeah, me, me and uh, Elizabeth, when we're talking sports, when a team has no chance of winning and they think that they're going to win, mm-hmm. we always just go, "Oh, buddy. oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's, there's really no chance, guys. Yeah. Um, so, But it's true. It's, it's a good reminder. And I think that the, the verse 6 was really striking to me. As for me, I have set my king on Zion, mm-hmm. on my holy hill. The king is there. Yeah. Right? The king's already reigning, already ruling. There's no chance that this king is going to be defeated. Um, you know, I'm reading through First and Second Kings in my quiet time, and I'm just seeing um, all these things. How the king, um, the Lord is in complete control, right? And just you know, you mentioned in your sermon. Um, I'm not sure if it was this point or the next point, talking about um, 
you know, Gideon and hey, mm-hmm. um, hey, there's just there's you have too many soldiers, right? Let's get yeah. down to three hundred, right? And I was thinking about in, in Second Kings, Kings three. There's this thing. It's too light of a thing for the Lord, right? Right. Like, God does not need us, and that which seems insurmountable to us right. can happen in a moment, right? Yeah. With the Lord, right? Um, I mean, we we heard someone you know talk about Gideon. It was just, I mean, it's just a good reminder, right? They didn't have even weapons, just kind of like Jericho. They they had a trumpet and torches. Hey. And Jericho is like, all right, we're gonna take, here's the first city, let's take it. All right, who's first? Go get the trumpet players. Go get the, wait, what? Get the, get the who? <laughs> get the trumpet players, all right? Get the band. We're about to take them. It just shows, like, God does what he wants when he wants yeah. to do it. And yeah. So, again, if you are listening, not a Christian, it's foolish to stand against the Lord. If mm-hmm. you're living in sin, again, it's foolish to stand against the Lord, right? Like, mm-hmm. You want to be with him, right? And just think about that verse, the opposite of it. Um, he who is not um, against us is for us. Mm-hmm. God is against us. God is not against us. He's for us, right? Mm-hmm. If God is for us, who could be against him? Who, who does it matter who's against him? It's God who justifies. That Who is there to get him? More than that, Jesus Christ died and rose again. Like, I mean, that Romans 8 section. Yeah. There, I mean, well, how powerful it is. He, is he's holding us in his hand. How could someone get us out of his hand? And even, once again, think about evangelism. If it doesn't go the way you want it to go, it does not mean God's not in control anymore. You know, when things happen in life and tragedy strikes or you share the gospel and the relationship is broken, the Lord is still in heaven. Yeah. Jesus is still on his throne. His plan has not been thwarted. He's, you know, what it may be, this is hard to hear, but it may be that you have been used in order to, on judgment day, they will not be without excuse. It may be also that there that was a seed planted for later for God to use and to awaken their hearts later. Yeah. We don't know, but we don't know. the Lord is in heaven. He yeah. sees. Um, I remember that Lucas short story, right? Yeah. You, you, know, you think about that. So he was 100 years old looking at, remembers a sermon he heard from John Flavel at, uh, at 15. Yeah. And there his heart was quickened about hell. Mm-hmm. And he realized he needed a Savior, right? You know, God works in his time. Right. Um, uh, next point, you had the Davidic decree i will tell the decree the lord said to me you are my son today i have begotten you uh, ask of me and i will make the nations your heritage the ends of the earth your possession you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel anything you want to add here no i'm just <laughs> uh man it's uh i feel like almost with any of these kind of little sections broken up it could have been a whole sermon themselves yeah i mean you have verse seven is one of the most Famous verses, right? You know, you see it pronounced Jesus uh, at the baptism. You have Hebrews. You have it in Acts. Uh, Acts quotes. That's how we we think it's David, right? It says, "Remember our father David," and he quotes, you know, Psalm two, verse seven. Um, I I just love, I love like right here once again David's confidence is here's a promise given to me by the Lord. He's told me, "You are my son. Today I have begotten." But we ultimately see that is the fulfillment is in Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the second person of the Trinity, and he has begotten, right, there is that, that John 1, right, the, he, he, the Son is looking face to face with the Father. I love that imagery, is that he's at the, the side of the Father. And it says when he's done, he's, he's, it says that he's kind of turned, Jesus has kind of turned his face to show us. He's inviting us in this relationship. The Son has been always been with the Father, and now there is this invitation in. We can now be sons and daughters, not the second person of Trinity, but 
like that in the sense where we can be joined in this relationship. The way the Father has a relationship with the Son, we're getting invited into this relationship. It's just that's why we hear, "They will, you will be my people, and I will be your God." It's yeah. a great promise. And then he says, "Ask of me," talking to the Son. I thought it was so cool in my study. Right, the anointed, right, this king is also a priest. Yeah, he's here. He's really great point. going to intercede on for who? Not necessarily for the Jewish people only, but for the nations. Yeah, the ask, whole of, world. ask of the nations and the ends of the earth. Yeah. to be your possession. Fantastic right. heritage. Yeah, that's so. Uh, and for me, that I had said in the sermon, but the first thing is like, our church loves the nations. It's very evident to see our time, our money, our prayers are going to not just Park Baptist Church. We want to see the world. We want healthy churches planted around the world. Why? We want to see the lost. You say, why? It's Jesus' heritage. Yeah. It's his possession. They're his. And we have that confidence that uh, he is Lord of the harvest. So we will pray. We will send. We will go. It's it's done. Jesus has prayed for it. It will it will happen, you know. Amen. Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, the last point is the wise warning. And I think this is kind of you know, a great place to end. And really, the wise warning that you kind of ended with was really what I was trying to do even on, even on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Like the, the wise warning that the prophets continued to give to the people and, and to warn them uh, of the coming wrath, mm-hmm. but also of the hope of the coming king. Yeah. Um, so it says, um, now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Uh, any closing thoughts? Um, it is not fun to consider judgment in hell. But it is, uh, what is that, those books, right? Chicken, chicken Soup for the Soul. It's so healthy for our soul consider hell, to consider judgment. Uh, we were the nations that were raging. We were the people that were plotting in vain. And the sun came, died, and rose again. If we would just kiss the king, if we would just embrace Jesus, we're blessed. We were rebels. We were in the other kingdom, the other camp. And, and he came and conquered us how? He laid down his life for us. I mean, it's amazing. Could you, I mean, imagine, right? We think of medieval fights or these kind of Troy, Trojans, things like that. And like, imagine someone from the other army coming, dying to rescue people in the other camp. It's just, it's, the gospel does never, never gets old. Never, 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 <laughs> we are counted blessed. That word, I mean, mean, happy. We can be happy if we just, he's our refuge, he's our yeah. shelter. We just yeah. go into him for rescue. Uh, I was thinking about this in your, in your message, um, about just the heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus is a word, he gives a hard word uh, towards those who walk away from him. Mm-hmm. But he's a God that is generous and compassionate towards sinners. It reminded mm-hmm. me of uh, Luke 19, 41, um, when he weeps over Jerusalem. He says, mm-hmm. and when he drew near, he saw the city, he wept over it, mm-hmm. saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that would make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children and within you. And you will not leave one stone another in you because you did not know the time of visitation. Mm. It says in the other Gospels that he was like a mother hen trying to gather them under his wing. Mm-hmm. Right? He was desiring that he wept for them. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, you know, when you execute judgment or um, even in discipline as a parent or as a church, it's never done without tears. Yeah. Right. It's tears of grieving and mourning um, because that's the heart of God towards sinners. Mm-hmm. And we want to um, plead with them to turn and hear the heed the right warning. So, yeah. um, well, brother, it, it was a, a food for my soul to be able to sit under your preaching. Thank you so much for that, that faithful yeah. word. Um, let me uh, just close this in prayer. Father, we do thank you for your word. We pray that you and your kindness would help us uh, kiss the Son, that we would embrace him, that we would uh, welcome him, and that we would just heed that promise. That blessed are all who take refuge mm. in you. And that we'd be happy. We'd be happy in Christ uh, because we embrace the Son. So, Father, we pray that you would um, not let us be surprised when the nations rage. Um, but, God, that we would just look forward to that day when you will gather all nations, every tribe, tongue, language, and people, to your son, and they will say, you are my God, and we are your people. So, Father, we love you, and we submit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.